This is the Passive Income Investor Podcast, hosted by Matt Dorn and Aaron Merriman. This podcast features discussions and interviews related to conservative passive income investing. We focus on long-term wealth building and tax-efficient income strategies. Thank you for joining us today, everybody, on this uh, third episode of the Passive Investor Podcast. Um, Today, we're going to touch on tax-efficient retirement income. You know, it's something in our space uh, as a real estate investment company that isn't thought of a lot. And I and I think it's something that is really important that people need to think about. And I know Matt is going to touch on that as well with his expertise and what he does in his practice. Uh, Lujan Merriman Development Group, we are a real estate investment company based here in Southern California in Orange County. Uh, we focus on multifamily apartment buildings, five to 15 units in really desirable areas here in Southern California. It's primarily coastal property. Uh, We're buying buildings that are 75 to 100 years old and really renovating them to compete with new construction. We love to keep as much character as we can, um, but renovate and add air conditioning, in-unit washer dryers, all all the things that, you know, the, the astute tenant would look for if they were renting in a large brand new building. But they're looking for that micro community experience that we provide. Um, Sage Wealth Planning, Matt, tell us about it. Yeah, so Sage Wealth Planning is a registered investment advisory firm uh, domiciled in northern Michigan. We are a planning-centric and tax-focused firm. So we pride ourselves on being comprehensive financial planners. And um, we have a it, I wouldn't call it unique, but it's not as mainstream um, as the other pricing structures are. We are a fee-only pricing structure, which means that we only get paid directly from our clients. We don't we don't have uh, revenue streams that come from mutual funds or custodians or insurance companies or you know we only get paid directly from our clients and and we have multiple pricing structures for serving them and. We like to think our job is to be great listeners. And while we have technical expertise and experience in doing what we do, what we really like to do is listen intently for what our clients are trying to do and what are the things that they really value and then pull up alongside them and collaborate with them on how to do what they're trying to do in the most efficient way. So that that gives us a lot of joy and and um and it gives us deep relationships that we very much enjoy. Um so we I say that we are planning centric because for us it's not about investments although investments are part of the equation they're fuel for what people are trying to accomplish. Great, great. So let's let's jump into it. So tax efficient retirement income um, you know, from from a real estate investment sponsor in our side, I feel like it's definitely one of those things where, you know, people will ask, hey, how, what is the tax treatment of what you do? Sometimes, you know, if it's a K-1 or what, what kind of tax document do they get? But I feel like a lot of folks aren't really thinking about the tax implications, whether they're retired or not, um, when they're making investment decisions. And, and I say that because, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not a CPA or a, a tax uh, aficionado, but I do recognize the difference between, you know, 
ordinary income, capital gains, and, and some of the things that you need to be thinking about. And unfortunately, it feels like a lot of folks, they really don't. They're just looking at what is the projected return of something and what's the highest one. And when you when you really take a step back and look at that, you know, to net the same amount of money, you don't need to, if something's a capital gains treated uh, investment versus ordinary, you don't need the, the same top line return to net the same amount of money. And, you know, one of the big things that people have just such a hard time quantifying is risk. I mean, it's very, very difficult. There's people that are paid a lot of money to try to measure risk and, you know, it's not a perfect science. So inevitably you can't get something for nothing, right? And so if you are trying to achieve, you know, X return and it's ordinary income, you're going to take a lot of risk that I, I think is just not, you know, measured well or thought about well. So, you know, t- touch on touch on this, and then we can kind of really drill in, Matt. But you know, talk about what this means for somebody that is, you know, getting close to retirement, in retirement, and and planning, because that's one of the things that I think you guys do a great job. And so, you know, what what are we? You know, it's not about paying zero tax, and 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 we, you and I talk about that a lot, and. So I, I'm excited about this this episode because you, you bring a lot of expertise in this area. Yeah, and I'll just clarify that I'm not a CPA either. I'm a CFP, and um, there's a big difference, obviously. So there's also a big difference between tax preparation, which is what tax professionals do, and tax planning, which is what financial planners do, right? So my goal is not to necessarily help someone reduce to the minimal level their tax liability in any given year. My goal is to help them reduce their lifetime tax liability. And there are some very specific strategies that will result in the latter that if we were focused on the former would be lost. And so, you know, why do you talk about tax efficiency and retirement planning together? Well, two reasons. Number one, retirement planning is the biggest and most important financial planning goal that people have. Walking away from work and relying upon the assets you've um, amassed is a big, big decision. It's not one that people want to have an oops on and have to go back to work 15 years in, right? So retirement planning is, is the biggest of the of the uh, financial planning goals that people have. And tax efficiency is the biggest opportunity to gain alpha, right? We see more opportunity lost in not being tax smart than we actually see in the investment landscape. I mean, lots of mistakes are made in any behavioral endeavor, but we see in general a real lack of awareness um, on tax treatment that could improve the outcomes. So that's why they go so well together. And so there's a big difference, again, between tax preparation and tax planning. And why these things go so well together is because it takes a, a really large amount of assets in general to support somebody through decades of retirement. And the more tax efficient we are in drawing from those assets, the longer they last. 
And, and that's one of the things that I like about in, in the conversations that we have had about thinking about the whole lifetime tax obligation versus grinding it to zero right now. And one of the things that we come up against fairly often, you know, in real estate, the 1031 exchange is a big thing, right? And a few years ago, opportunity zone investing was a hot topic. Um, You know, now there's some, you know, there's some uh, accelerated depreciation laws that are on the books for a few more years. And and that's created this kind of sub industry. And, And so... You know, from from my perspective, I feel like a lot of people get really sucked into doing really an unnatural act. I mean, they're they're investing in something that really isn't a very good deal, in my opinion, solely for tax purposes, and and that can be very scary because if it goes bad. You can, I mean, I've seen people lose a lot of money because they went into a 1031 that didn't work. It was just a bad investment. Um, and you, you know, you saw that with opportunity zones a few years ago. We, we actually own a property, um, that is in an opportunity zone and we've run the numbers a million times and it's better to develop the property standalone and pay tax than to develop it as an opportunity zone and wait the 10 years and not pay tax and, and do all these things. So it's it's a lot of the tail wagging the dog, I feel like, uh, at least from the real estate side of things. Well, yeah. And people um, are inundated with messages about do this, do that. And, you know, lacking a North Star and a vision for what they're trying to do and how all the many pieces fit into that vision, it's tempting to react instead of plan. So, you know, I would back up and say that being tax smart means optimizing the whole system to reduce lifetime tax liability. And that means looking at how all the pieces interact with one another and how they affect one another and being intentional about order um, timing, amount, right? Both in terms of how we're building our asset base and how we're drawing from an asset base. So the, the key factor in being tax smart is to recognize that there are various tax treatments in play and then harmonizing them. So one of the key aspects of good planning is what I would call managing adjusted gross income. Okay, so many things are tied to adjusted gross income that not planning for how to manage it results in bad outcomes that you could never see coming, right? So we often get this argument about you know, should I pay tax on the seed or the harvest, which is a tremendously oversimplified and silly way of looking at things. Because what's really being said there is, should I invest in Roth, you know, pay the tax now and not pay anything in the future? Or should I invest pre-tax in my retirement account at work, take a tax break now and knowing I'll pay tax in the future? It's not about whether you pay tax now or pay tax later. It's about when you'll pay the least tax, 
right? And so one of the things to be thinking about is retirement accounts are not just places where we save for retirement. They're also very powerful tools for tax planning. And if I'm bumping up against the eligibility for things like my ability to deduct student loan interest, contribute to a Roth IRA outside of work, get a child tax credit, the way that I contribute my retirement dollars at work could really help me to preserve those other items. And that's often just lost in this sort of seed or harvest argument, right? So one of the things that has to be considered is how can I use the retirement accounts that I have available to me to maintain my eligibility for other things, which could be very valuable. So child tax credits, for example, are credits. They're not deductions. They're real dollars that are coming back to the taxpayer as long as they're eligible, right? And so I think we we started off talking about retirement income, but before we can even get to retirement income, we have to build a diversified base of assets. When I say diversified, in this case, I mean tax diversified so that we have the freedom and flexibility uh, to pull money when we need it from a place that is most efficient. Yeah, that that's a good point. You're listening to the Passive Investor Podcast with Matt Doran and Aaron Merriman. And today we're discussing the importance of tax-efficient retirement income. You know, to your to your points there, Matt, thinking back to episode one of our series, we, we touched on, you know, the topic was uh, the IRS is your partner. And hearing you talk, it really harkens back to that because in thinking about, you know, the IRS has this system, they, they, it's set up in a way to drive certain behaviors. And, and what you're talking about right now is really about optimizing the system that's in play. Because if you grind down your tax to nothing, you could really be missing out on some legitimate opportunities just because you've overcorrected on one specific thing. Um, so I'd, I'd love, you know, we, we've chatted uh, offline a few times about, you know, just some different things that you've seen over the years and some corrections you've made. So if you, I'd love to hear some more of those kind of real world examples um, that, you, that you've seen in the real world and, and, and the impact that it's had for folks. Yeah. So tax efficiency is about flexibility, right? So we have a pretty massive tax proposal on the table right now. And it has the potential to change capital gains rates for some people and marginal income tax brackets for some people. It's changing the estate tax exemption and so on. But in my work, where I see people being most impacted by either a change in the law or the need to seize an opportunity is that if they haven't taken the time, and it takes many years generally to do this, if they haven't taken the time and opportunity to build assets with different tax treatments, when it comes time to pull income from somewhere, they lose control. And so in retirement, 
I often see that the clients who have the highest marginal tax bracket, contrary to popular belief, are not the people with the most money. They're the people who were W-2 employees, maybe even have a pension and Social Security, and the money was primarily saved in a pre-tax retirement account, which again, I'm a big fan of as long as it's optimized. But if you have a pension and Social Security, which is never fully taxable, but when it is, I mean, the part that is, is ordinary income. So if you have a pension that's ordinary income, Social Security on top of it, and then it's time to take a vacation, pay for a wedding, buy a new car, and that money is pulled from an account that holds only pre-tax dollars, then it merely adds to the ordinary income burden and pushes us further along the schedule of marginal tax brackets. That's very different than if some assets are capital gain, some assets are Roth, some are tax-free completely like HSA, um, some are offset by depreciation like real estate, right? And so the bottom line here is there are multiple buckets of assets where wealth can be built and income can be produced that will then give more control when it's time to create an income stream to the individual who's doing it rather than only one place to pull it from. And it takes planning and forethought and a commitment to build that, but it minimizes the risk and improves the control when things change. Yeah. So what what I'm hearing is really kind of the strategy side of this, right? And, you know, whether you're already retired, ideally, I would assume, as you're getting close to retirement, um, or even, you know, if you catch someone young enough, when they're just getting started with investing, but but really looking for these strategies that are uh, these different tax buckets, right? And and making sure that you so that when that time comes, you are pulling from the optimal bucket, so to speak, for that for that income that you or that cash that you need to live on. Right. And and before we even get there, Aaron, I'm glad you set it up that way, because before we even get there, let's not lose sight of the fact that life events which are happening along the path to retirement present opportunities as well. Opportunities to top off tax brackets, influence the way we contribute or withdraw, perform conversions. Like It's quite common when a young family begins having children and somebody stays home, even if only temporarily, that their earnings landscape changes a little bit, right? And it might be an opportunity to either contribute differently or convert to take advantage of a temporary lowered tax bracket, right? Transitions like job changes or, you know, going into retirement offer similar opportunities. The early retirement years Generally speaking, the tax landscape for a person who's leaving active employment and going into retirement provides an immediate drop in taxable income. Well, we can enjoy those years of paying almost no tax, or we can say, hey, how do we optimize these years, maybe even pulling some future income into the present by accelerating withdrawals, 
because we're going to pay less to do it. So, so why wouldn't we want to optimize the tax treatment, which then means we'll pay less tax over the long haul? That can happen in terms of small withdrawals or conversions, but it requires some planning. No, th- this is yeah, this is good stuff, and I think I'm I'm really enjoying this topic uh, just because of the the strategy side of it, the you know the optimization. It's almost like a chess match with the IRS. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it is. It, it is, and, um, and and how we give to to our favorite charities or gift to our family members is important too, yeah. right? So optimizing how we're doing what we're doing is the name of the game. It's it's not about telling anybody what they should do. It's about listening for what they want to do and then designing a, an efficient path for doing it. No, definitely. And and I'm sure for most people, it's just about awareness. You know, at least in my business, when I'm talking to folks, it's, it's a lot of education, which is great, right? Because I, we want people to be fully informed and, and absolutely in your business. Um, so no, this is great stuff. Uh, great topic this episode. Uh, as we wind down here, any parting thoughts? Um, you know, I think that individuals and families have a lot more responsibility for the outcomes they seek than at any point in history. You know, at least in modern history, they've got a lot more responsibility and a lot more moving parts um, in, in trying to produce those outcomes. So it, it should make perfect sense that harmonizing those things presents a tremendous opportunity to improve the outcomes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today as uh, Matt and I discuss tax-efficient retirement income. Uh, we hope you join us going forward on future episodes. Thanks again. For more information on LMDG, you can visit lmdg.net. And for examples of some of our projects or see more videos from Matt and I, you can also visit youtube.com backslash lmdgre. Or you can email me directly at amerriman at lmdg.net. For more information on Sage Wealth Planning, you can visit sagewealthplanswithans.com. Or you can email Matt directly at mdoran at sagewealthplans.com.